This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. On September 23, 2022, Coolio, the rapper best known for his signature braids and a string of hits in the mid-90s, including Gangsta's Paradise and See You When You Get There, took the stage at the Roundup Music Venue in Texas and belted out snippets of his biggest songs to a crowd of excited fans. Although clearly in the twilight of his prolific career, the rap artist was quite active on the nostalgia circuit and still working on producing new work in the studio. He'd recently headlined the Riot Festival and performed at the Great Frederick Fair just days before that, keeping himself busy and inspired as he worked on new music, including a collaboration with Irish singer Christy Dignam. Coolio had been working with Dignam since July, teasing that they were working on a track and even telling a newspaper, quote, it's probably going to be a banger. I don't know if it's going to be dark and deep or if we're going to go clubby and happy. I'm more inclined with being dark and deep and still being a banger. And just a week prior, he'd taken the stage at a gig in Cypress, Texas, along with 90s sensation Vanilla Ice, to freestyle during Vanilla's huge hit, Ice Ice Baby. The two actually hung out together, exchanging memories from their heydays, reminiscing about the long and winding paths of their careers, and chatting about life in general. At the end of the night, Coolio said simply, See you tomorrow, homie. By all accounts, Coolio was in a good place. He'd struggled with crack cocaine addiction in the past, but people closest to him in recent years insisted that the problems were behind him. He credited spending time with his father in San Jose and a renewal of his Christian faith as helping him kick the habit. And it seemed to work, at least based on outside appearances. Eric Yano, a close friend of Coolio's since 2004, spent time with the rapper in Vegas and he said that he'd never seen the rapper drink, smoke, or take any drugs during the entirety of their friendship, saying, quote, he would never show up intoxicated or on a different planet like most people. I never saw him drinking. He'd usually have a glass of water. A lot of people would ask him to smoke a joint, but he never smoked. It actually made sense to steer clear of smoking because the rapper also suffered from asthma his entire life and could often be seen puffing on an inhaler at gigs and it all seemed to line up with what people saw in public. Julio was happy and engaged with fans, cheerfully snapped selfies at the airport, and wistfully sang his hits to packed venues. But on September 28th, just days after the gig in Texas, paramedics were called to a home in Los Angeles around 4 p.m. for a medical emergency. Julio's longtime manager, Jerez Posey, said Julio was visiting a friend and went to the bathroom at some point. When he didn't come back after a while, the friend got concerned and eventually barged into the bathroom to find Coolio unresponsive on the floor. When EMTs arrived at the home, they frantically tried to revive him, performing CPR and other life-saving measures for around 45 minutes. But it was too late. Coolio was just 59 years old. I'm Derek Kaufman. I'm Jason Beckerman. And this is Last Days, Coolio. Initial reports from the scene were that police had not found any drugs or drug paraphernalia in the bathroom, 
Coolio's manager told the media that he thought the rapper had a heart attack, perhaps associated with his chronic asthma condition, and gave no indication of any recent struggles. To the contrary, his manager said Coolio was visiting L.A. from Las Vegas and was working on getting his passport renewed for some upcoming shows in Germany. And Coolio's longtime friend, Montel Jordan, who'd been touring with the rapper just days before his death, said he was taken completely off guard by the news, saying, quote, I've been with him for weeks and months now, and I do not know, and still don't know, the circumstances behind his passing, but I did not see anything that would have given any indication that he was ill or that anything had happened to him. Yet. Jason, I mean, this was a genuine mystery. When we broke this story in the newsroom, uh, there was confusion about what happened to Coolio. This was a guy who we got out frequently at LAX. He was always in good spirits. Uh, all of his all of his friends around him said he was not involved in any drugs. So he was, you know, middle-aged. He looked to be in reasonably good health. You know, the braids had thinned out a bit, but he was a joyous presence. He was on the nostalgia circuit. He was working. It wasn't a recluse in any sense of the word. But that said, he brought his history with him, and there was suspicion, of course, given the un likely nature of his death. He sort of dropped dead in a bathroom uh, at only 59 years old, otherwise seemed relatively healthy except for the asthma. And given his history of crack cocaine use and addiction, there was some thought that maybe it had returned. And obviously the investigation then stems from there. And, you know, some things came up that they found. In subsequent days after his death, police say they discovered three drug baggies in some related paraphernalia at the scene of his death. The items recovered included a baggie with a brown powdery substance consistent with heroin. Foil with burn residue, a straw, some saline solution, a spoon with drug residue, and some over-the-counter CBD products and vitamins. From this point on, the focus of the investigation shifted to handling the case as a potential drug overdose. This was a bit strange because people who knew him well, particularly the ones in Vegas who were closest to him near the end of his life, said he seemed to have had the substance issues under control and didn't seem to partake in much of the drug temptations surrounding him in Sin City. Still, just five months after his death, the results of the autopsy confirmed the sad reality. Coolio had indeed died from a fentanyl overdose, with the coroner noting the rapper also had heroin and methamphetamine in his system. Investigators determined that his severe asthma and decades-long cigarette habit may also have had played a role in his death. The news devastated his family, with his seven adult children vowing to honor their father and continue his legacy in music. Each child also announced that they would be making necklaces containing their father's ashes and a personalized pendant as a way of keeping his memory close to their hearts. It was a fitting tribute given his closeness to them. Vanilla Ice would tell TMZ in the days following Coolio's death that the grind of touring weighed heavily on him because it kept him apart from his kids. Last conversation, that's why I'm so emotional because he was telling me how much he missed his kids, how great his kids were, and how much time that he had to sacrifice for his career to be away from his kids so much. And that, that you know, he's so proud of all of them. And that uh, <laughs> it's really weird, you know, because I got kids, too. So we just sit like regular fathers and, and you know, because it's the greatest accomplishment that anyone could have is, 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 you know, having a family. You know, that's what this life's all about. You know, family and friends and enjoying company of, of others, you know, and our neighbors and everything. Let's go ahead and take a short break. We'll be right back with more on Coolio's legacy. If you're shopping while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast, then you know and love the thrill of the hunt. But are you getting the thrill of the best deals? Rakuten shoppers do. They get the brands they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Adidas, Macy's, or Levi's. And you can even stack sales on top of cash back. It's easy to use, and you get your cash back through PayPal or check. The idea is simple. 
Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares that money with you as cash back. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal, or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's Rakuten, R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Because Coolio came to prominence during the so-called golden age of hip-hop during the decade between the late 80s and the late 90s, it's possible to completely underestimate his contributions and lose his importance amidst some of the greats of the era, like the Notorious B.I.G. and Tupac Shakur. Perhaps owing in part to his more playful appearance and smooth, laid-back approach, Coolio was never really taken that seriously as the titans of gangster rap of the era. He had the wild braids, and his early stage name, Jason, I learned this, was Coolio Iglesias, which was a play on his smooth, romantic, lyrical style, uh, named after, obviously, the great Julio Iglesias. So he never really catered to the same audience. He wasn't, you know, rocking, you know, Crips and Bloods colors in the same way. He was... I don't want to say a, 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 the the good guy rapper, but he was the smooth guy who was above the fray. But let's face it, he 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 sort of leaned into a persona that was a little bit sort of parodyable, right? He sure. had the the funny hair, and he uh, also his biggest song, by far his biggest song, was a soundtrack song. He didn't release the kind of, you know, albums that belonged in the lore of hip-hop, right? Yeah, he wasn't writing the kind of poetry that Tupac was trying right. to write or about life on the streets that Biggie was saying about Dangerous, it's not to underestimate or understate what Dangerous Minds was, we'll talk about it, but it's an incredible song, it's phenomenal, but he didn't have sort of the album after album that were rocketing up the rap charts. He was a guy who, again, he leaned into the parody a little bit. He never shied yeah. away from it. He continued to wear his hair the same way. He saw some of the humor in rap. You know, he, he was did. about smoking weed and riding around in yes, your in your low rider. And that was what he was sort of projecting. And it was a lot of fun. And people did love him for that, for that because he came across as very authentic. And the sum of his contributions have really held up remarkably well over time. And they stand as a testament to him belonging up there with the rest of those greats, even if he's not talked about in the same exalted terms. Let's just look at the numbers alone. The raw statistics place Coolio at or near the top of the game during his era of rap. Over the course of his career, he released nine studio albums. Very prolific. I didn't, yeah. I didn't think of him as a guy who released that much, but he really did. And he sold more than 4.8 million copies in the U.S. alone. His first three albums, It Takes a Thief in 1994, Gangsta's Paradise in 1995, and My Soul in 1997, established his mainstream bona fides, and he even garnered a Grammy Award during the run. Stylistically, Coolio was different than most of his rap contemporaries. He eschewed the the popular tropes of the day that glorified those tough guys like I talked about. They would allude to Scarface and Goodfellas. It was all about sort of being tough. And he instead penned lyrics about racism, black history, and poverty, sometimes in a humorous way and sometimes in a serious way. He joined the group WC and the Mad Circle in the early 90s. And their albums, Ain't a Damn Thing Change and Curb Servin, became favorites of the underground rap scene at the time. He then went mainstream in 1994 and immediately found critical and commercial success with his heavily sampled funk hip-hop classic, Fantastic Voyage, which climbed all the way to the number three spot on the Billboard Hot 100. Everybody got a stack and it ain't no crap. And it really don't matter if you're white or black. I want to take you there like the staple singers. Put something in the tank and I know that I can bring it. If you can't take the heat, get your ass out the kitchen. We on a mission. His lyrics touted the cool L.A. lifestyle of lowriders, but also shined a light on some of the grim realities of that life, such as, quote, I'm trying to find a place where I can live my life. 
and maybe eat some steak with my beans and rice. A place where my kids can play outside without living in fear of a drive-by. I mean, this was the content of his songs, but it was wrapped in this sort of joyous, uh, sort of riding around L.A. Uh, vibe that he was also projecting. It was really interesting. There were other people that were were sort of having similar lyrics, right? M- N.W.A. certainly had these kinds of lyrics. I mean, they were a little bit before this, but or the hate and a little harder edge, a, a little tougher. But but they were a much harder edge, uh, and he was. I mean, I don't think he was a soft, uh, he had a soft persona, but it wasn't nearly sort of the gangster lifestyle, despite the title of his most famous song, the gangster lifestyle that that some of the others were known for. Now, whether those were false portrayals, you know, presenting performative, they probably were in, in, in sure. large respect. But he sort of presented in a very different way and performed in a very different way. But to your point, his success was pretty substantial. I mean, he had some songs that still are around today or well-known even by today's generation that may have outlasted some of his more sort of famous, at the time, contemporaries. I think that's right. And they were beloved. I mean, like I said, he was big on that nostalgia circuit. People still wanted to hear those songs. And as a rapper, he didn't have sort of the ornate, speedy rhymes of like Snoop Dogg and maybe lack some of those trenchant social critiques that you'd get from Tupac and Biggie. But Coolio had an impeccable ear for pop hooks. He just did. And he crafted these simple, earnest, but undeniably catchy tunes that drew in huge audiences. But of course, as we've discussed, most casual fans will remember Coolio because of his one great song, this one. You want to tell me what this is all about? As I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I take a look at my life and realize there's nothing left. Because I've been blasting and laughing so long that even my mama thinks that my mind is gone. But I ain't never crossed a man that didn't deserve it. Me be treated like a punk, you know that's unheard of. You better watch how you're talking and where you're walking. Or you and your homies might be lying. The song was really a bridge between the hardcore gangster rap of the era and pop music. It became one of the most successful rap songs of all time and topped the Billboard Hot 100 for three weeks in 1995. It was the number one single of 95 in the United States for all genres and truly became a global sensation. The song was, of course, featured in the Michelle Pfeiffer movie Dangerous Minds and really catapulted the movie to another level of success. The movie went on to gross nearly $180 million on just a $23 million budget. And I have to tell you, you know, I I was of the perfect age. I went and saw this movie in the theaters. This movie was known for one thing only, and that was this song. I mean, it's a yeah. forgettable movie. It's fine. Uh, it's fine. It's of those it's of like, the time. Yeah, yeah she's so, like a tough, uh, plain-talking teacher with an in inner-city school. We, these movies are coming out all the time where you'd have, like, the person from the suburbs go into the inner-city school and, like, you know— Clean things up a little bit. Some white savior stuff happening. And, it, you know, and we also had—remember Lean On Me with— Stand uh, and Deliver. Stand and Deliver, and right. All, all these people with this single person who went in as a crusader— to help, you know, the otherwise unhelpable and, and sort of clean them up. So we saw this all the yeah, time. Yeah, she turned the, the chair backwards, remember? She's yeah. like, I'm just going to rap with you. Like we're <laughs> So the movie's forgettable, but yeah. this song wasn't. And this yeah. song, you know, I, I don't know anybody uh, under the age of, of 35 has seen this movie, but everybody knows the song. Everybody It was knows as big or bigger than the movie itself. After Coolio's death, Michelle Pfeiffer said that she was heartbroken over the loss, calling him a gifted artist and acknowledged he had been, quote, the reason our film saw so much success. Yeah, you don't hear actors and actresses Never. typically Never. say, like, the reason my movie is good is because of the <laughs> it may song. Maybe the mo- number one, the only time in uh, music history that somebody has given the soundtrack the credit for the movie being a It's amazing. These are actors yeah. and actresses with huge egos themselves. And she said, yeah, it's the Coolio song. Yeah, right. I loved that quote. 
As a piece of pop music, the song is just, it's just undeniable. It interpolates an old Stevie Wonder song called Pastime Paradise and became a piece of hip-hop history, tallying more than a billion views on YouTube, which stands as a testament to its enduring popularity among nostalgists and even younger generations. Remember, it came out 20 years before YouTube was a thing? Yeah, uh, Maybe 15 years before YouTube was a thing? And it still has over a billion views on YouTube. It's, it's unbelievable. It caught yeah. up. Yeah. And although he was usually quite self-aware about his place in pop culture, Coolio did famously take the themes and lyrics of Gangsta's Paradise somewhat seriously. He famously, I know if you remember this, Jason, that he feuded with Weird Al Yankovic over Amish Paradise, which was a parody of his song that went out in 1996. And he was saying, look, this guy's a clown. He's making fun of lyrics that have a lot of depth and meaning right. to me. And the, and the song does have, have sort of important themes in it. Later, he apologized. Look, Weird Al never has sort of malevolent intent. He's just trying to have fun and, and, and spin his own yarns about these famous songs. And he admitted, ultimately, Coolio admitted that the song was funny as shit. But, uh, you know, Coolio, I think his point at the time, and when we're young, we take ourselves a little bit more seriously than when we get older. But, uh, you know, he was saying this is an important song and it talks about sp issues that are important to black culture and to, to, to me and the way I grew up. And you're taking it and making a parody out of it. It's certainly not illegal. We know that parody can be done, but it's disrespectful, I think, is what his his point was. Yeah, he sort of had a point. I mean, Weird, Weird Al never sort of parodied What's Going On, the great Marvin Gaye song, because right. it has really deep, meaningful right, right, themes. Right. He parodied uh, Beat It, and he made right. it Eat It. But Beat right. It in and of itself isn't an important song. It's just right. a catchy one. And he wasn't done after Gangsta's Paradise. He dropped two more bangers with Too Hot and One, Two, Three, Four, Something New, which proved he wasn't just interested in rapping about dark themes and could still drop a song about having a good time. The Gangsta's Paradise album itself ended up going double platinum with sales of more than 2 million copies in the U.S. alone. You really can't emphasize how big this song was. It blotted out the sun for a period of time. And uh, although Biggie and Tupac and all the other greats were still doing music at that time, Coolio was the thing in 1995. There's only certain songs that have done this, right? The most recent one, I think, maybe is Old Town Road. Yes, where, where, it's a good example. Where just, you know, that was a bit more of a novelty song, I think, than Gangsta's Paradise was. But nevertheless, like you said, it blotted out the sun. It was the only yeah, thing anybody... Blurred did. lines, songs that right, are just the right, big, big right. songs. For his third studio album, My Soul, Coolio got more introspective, dropping another major hit with See You When You Get There about the loss of life to gang violence in urban communities. This is actually my favorite Coolio song. It features a sample of Johan Pachelbel's Baroque masterpiece, Canon in Major D, which everybody's heard. If you've ever gone to a wedding, you've heard Canon in Major D, and weaves seamlessly between hopelessness and optimism. Now little Jimmy got his diploma and little Jimmy got life. And Tamika around the corner just took her first and off the pipe. The other homie shot the other homie and ran off with his money. And when the other homies heard about it, they thought that it was funny. But who's the dummy? Cause now you done lost the hustler. A down ass brother done been replaced by a buster. And though I got love for you, I know I can't trust you. Cause my crew is rolling homers and your crew is rolling dusters. And just because of that, you act like you don't like a brother no more. I guess that's just the way you go. I ain't trying to preach. I believe I can reach, but your mind ain't prepared. I see you when you get there. The album ended up going gold, but it was clear that he'd lost some steam as an artist and none of his subsequent albums ever charted on the Billboard 200. Still, Coolio continued to be a fixture in pop culture for years to come. He made the theme song for the popular kids' sketch comedy show Keenan and Kel, toured with musicians as varied as Kenny Rogers and Insane Clown Posse, and even starred briefly as a cooking show host. 
After his most productive years in music, he was dogged by legal troubles. In 1998, he was sentenced to six months probation and hit with a $17,000 fine. After being convicted in Germany of being an accessory to robbery and causing bodily harm, after he was accused of stealing $940 worth of clothes and then punching the store owner. In 2016, Cooley was arrested for having a loaded firearm in his bag at LAX, serving three years probation and 45 days of community service. But he never really became anything in the public's mind other than a crowd-pleasing presence on the nostalgia rap circuit, weathering the bad press of his legal troubles with the same cool, laid-back style that made him so popular earlier in his career. And before his sudden passing in September, Coolio had been scheduled to take the stage with a group of hip-hop acts from the 70s, 80s, and 90s, including Flavor Flav, Rob Bass, the Sugar Hill Gang, Tone Loke, and Young MC, at a concert in Orlando. And even if he wasn't always given the respect he'd earned over the course of his career, Flavor Flav, the legendary hype man from one of hip-hop's most respected bands in history, Public Enemy, said a prayer for Coolio on a stage filled with legends from rap and in front of a packed house of fans still reeling from the shock of his loss. It only seemed fitting to let them have the final word. I want to have a moment of love and silence, and I want to say, I want to say a prayer for Coolio. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be, be done. done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. God, I know you got Coolio. I know you got Coolio. Coolio! 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 Coolio!